Hello, and welcome to The Secret Lair, the home of gaming and geeks. We hope you enjoy our shows, and if you'd like to support us, you can donate to our Patreon. Hello and welcome to D&D 201. I'm Niall and I'll be your Dungeon Master. I'm Morgan and I will be your Game Master today, I've decided. Oh. Going okay. system neutral. System neutral? Yeah. Even though this is a D&D it, Yeah, specific. Maybe people are like, oh, maybe we're going to have a little not D&D. No, this is still D&D. Yeah, sorry guys. We're sorry. not going to touch, I don't know, cyberpunk uh, or whatever. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> other systems get other off systems. my podcast yeah i've seen have you seen that picture it's like i like this and it's like all the other systems but i like this yeah yeah yeah. <laughs> i actually D&D. yeah it's like people will bring me their very thought out arguments of this system is better like i'm sure <laughs> i'm gonna continue to play this dumpster fire because i know it yeah but these are easy to learn yeah, just... <laughs> i'm gonna continue to play with this dumpster fire <laughs> the thing that everybody complains about yeah exactly yeah. Mm, but i like the ah my hand got burned no yeah. i like it i, I play with play. this okay but this is nice and simple uses less dice mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. cool i hear you <laughs> i'm not disagreeing i'm sure it is better in every way no because i'm stubborn <laughs> i i'm just a creature of habit if mm. anything so uh this is a show where myself and morgan a game master and a dm uh help you another dm learn how to dm and if you are a player fuck off You're not welcome here. oh my god <laughs> i'm so well, now's had a rough week, and you guys aren't helping. Come on, <laughs> it's been a great week. <laughs> Just actually. leave. Yeah, it's been, to be fair, it's been a real emotional week. Yeah, yeah, because I've been it's doing loads of acting Wednesday. work. No, I've been doing loads of acting work, oh, and I've been fun. like, because you know me, I'm really happy go lucky, and like, you yeah. know, like emotions genuinely mess with your body chemistry, right? Yeah, yeah, I mean? suppose. Yeah. And like, I'm quite a happy go lucky all the time. Everything's mm. quite cheerful, even when things aren't great. You know what I mean? Yeah. I'm always looking on the bright side, mm. and I've been like really playing characters that. They're just the worst. They're just like the worst people as well. And it's been, I genuinely, I finished like two full days of just being them. And I I got back and I was like, I'm really tired. Like, I need to sleep. This is ripping apart. I've been going to sleep at 11, if not sooner, every night without fail. Good. I'm glad you've had some new emotions. It's not new emotions. They're not new. They're just... That's terrifying. A terrifying thing for you to say. <laughs> what? You know... I know who you're playing. I hope these are new feelings. No, not being hurt and being paranoid and being, you know, like, insecure. They're just... They're, they're the same. It's just different intensities, isn't it? Yeah, I suppose. Like we've all felt everything in the world. You know, nothing is, that is human is alien to me. But aliens are alien to me. I don't get mm. them. So are mind flyers. That's why they're alien to me. <laughs> And today, we're going to be talking about... Diggity downtime. No, Sorry. I guess. Yeah. Uh, we're going to be talking about between adventures. So, like, when you're, like, you've come to a big arc, and you're, like, maybe you fought Tarask. Got there before you could, you little fucking shit. Why would I be upset by that? No, I, no, no. I just wanted to get I'm, in before you I'm did. I'm just happy about it. I just, you said Tarask. I know. Joy. Um, maybe you've just had the big a big part of your adventure, and now it's time. It's like, oh, you're gonna spend some time in town for a bit. What do you want to do? Some now, diggity downtime. You could role play ten days of chilling, mm. but also like to an extent, sometimes it's like you can do things in broad strokes and then narratively describe them. Yeah. And there's a few different approaches to like stuff between those big sections of adventures. Maybe you've come to the end of an arc, you're going to a new one. And this is one thing I was talking about before we started recording this was so there's rules for downtime, and as I've said before. That the, most of these rules are just here for you to use if you want them, right? But it's nice to have some structure to be able to go like, oh, well, what does... It's like a kind of a, a guidance so you know where you're going. They're less mm. rules and more directions, I guess. Guidelines. Go- <laughs> <laughs> the Pirate Code is more guidelines. Um, Such a good film. Five, well, all three. Yeah. The, all three of those films. All three. Not I, five. I would recommend not, rewatching four. Would you? See, I'm currently rewatching the third one. I'm like nearly finished it. And I was watching these and I was like, why did I not like these films as a kid? Mm. These fucking rule. Yeah. Like the the world building's fun. The the whole vibe is fantastic. I absolutely loved them. I just remember four big dog shit, but maybe I should rewatch it. It's now. just different. Because Captain Jack Sparrow is the main character. And he's not he he's not in yeah, all but the other I remember ones. just thinking like he shouldn't be. Yeah, and, and and that's right. In terms of like, in terms of the story that Ca- Pirates of the Caribbean told, the main characters are Will and um, Elizabeth, 
and that's that's what makes those films is that you've really got some young people that you can grow. Kira Knightley was really young. Seventeen. The first that's one. fucking ridiculous. It is ridiculous. Anyway, but um, the fourth one is a bit of a hard turn, and that's probably why it was less well received because he is the main character. But once you kind of get over that hump, that that fourth film is pretty good. Mm. And Ian McShane. Ian McShane. Ian McShane's in those films. Of course, yeah, he's Blackbeard. Penelope Cruz yes, is in it as well. Yes, of course he is. And and the new new one. Salazar's Revenge is, or Dead Men Tell No Tales as it was called in other countries and which is an infinitely better title yeah. than Salazar's Revenge it was advertised in, in the UK as Dead Men Tell No Tales until it was released and then it was Salazar's was it? Revenge yeah dumb but diggity downtime that's what we're yeah, talking about yeah that's what we're talking about when you're doing D&D it depends on what type of adventure you're doing so are you doing like episodic like Monster of the Week kind of things yeah. have you got a big overarching campaign and it's a good point to kind of link stuff together so it could be like say you've just defeated one big bad Maybe you're in between adventures when you start putting some breadcrumbs down to pick up the next part of the adventure or the next section, uh, which is certainly what I've done. I last time I did downtime was a bit because it was only like a day's downtime. I didn't stick to the rules as much, but it was when I started. They were hearing rumors in the tavern of like the next step, and then their kind of guide um, had been talking to them about things they'd seen. It was starting to set stuff up, but they weren't actually adventuring yet. It was just kind of getting stuff ready, I mm. guess. Yeah, I, I think we, we kind of talked about, we were running a strict saving session together, which I'm sure everybody's heard about by now. But um, we were sort of talking about what we're doing because we like to do these big, like, three-table events yeah. where it's like a lot of people all playing together. But we were talking about, like, we were just sort of setting up this three-player event whilst one person was tying up the end of their story on another table. And we just said, you know, we're going to do downtime sessions. And and to be fair, m- me as a DM, I actually really enjoy having th- the downtime as the game. Like, I quite like having players being able to do the things that they want to do as well as the story. I like mm. to have it all linked together. And, and like what 100%. you were saying about dropping in little bits of story beats... I actually like to see new story stuff so that it feels like the world's constantly moving and shifting and it feels like there's always something going on. And I like to have downtime in the middle of main stories as well. Mm-hmm. Like if, you know, I quite like that. I just like the idea that it's a constant living, breathing thing. And if you wanted to, you know, if you were halfway through a mission and then suddenly decided that you needed new armor, you could buy some new armor if you wanted to. That's something you could totally do. No, yeah. So that's kind of why I'm... So for context, I'm currently running... Tyranny of Dragons with a group of friends, which cool. is about is that dra- the um... dragon cultists doing. I'm not going to say what they're doing, but doing shit because it's a twist. That's oh, you don't want to don't want to say what the end is. Oh, it's the DM. No, it's the DM. No, they, they, my players are now players. If you ever intend on playing Tyranny of Dragons, first of all, you should fucking be here. Yeah, what the fuck? Why are you fucking I'd... listening? Oh God! <laughs> God, God <laughs> you son of a bitch, Nile. <laughs> Breathe. It's just coming out of me. I'm sorry. No, no, it's fine. Um, so basically, this cult of the cult of the dragon are trying to uh, raise Tiamat from hell, and they're at a point now where they're such doing... a good idea, by the way. Oh yeah, it was the first adventure they did. It was executed to medium success, um, and the first book is dog shit. But you can I, next time I run it, which I'm going to, I'm going to modify the hell out of it. But I the enjoyed the it, first book. I you played ho- oh, it's dog shit. Uh, <laughs> It was, it's the the vibe is good the idea is good but the execution is pretty poor I would say yeah uh, but anyway playing through this adventure and they've come to a point where they've just done a uh, basically there's this council that are sending them off to do stuff they've just done one of the things the council have asked them to do I'm gonna, I've said right you've come back and you've got a week to prepare so they've just come back to Waterdeep I'm like right you have a week yeah. to do stuff I'm going to message you between sessions and say what would you like to get up to in that week you're going to tell me I'm going to roll dice to work out what happens and then next time we meet I'm going to narratively go through how it happens yeah, yeah. because you can kind of be like so we'll go through the options right, but it's like oh I'm going to spend a week carousing drinking and talking to people so I can roll some dice see how much money you spend what you do uh, and then in the session I'll be like uh, Salazar you spend the week having a grand old time in Waterdeep however you don't during this time Jack Sparrow no <laughs> <laughs> Um, you find like perhaps you make an enemy like you piss someone off or perhaps you I, I that's at one point where I choose to put a little breadcrumb in like it's a little yeah. thing you found um, and then it's easy so we're not going through what do you want to do uh, I don't know well, maybe I want to do this and I can be like what do you want to do this right I'll tell you how it goes and we can narratively go through what you experience you can tell me what you did in the context of that and then we can actually play kind of D&D in that way and it'll be interesting to see how that plays out because it gives them the ability to say what they want to do gives them some narrative feedback but also means we can stick on with the campaign because this is a long campaign we don't get to play very often so having we don't really have 
the luxury of having yeah. loads of just chill roleplay sessions because we can't we can't play all the time. Because so like, otherwise, you're never going to finish the story. Exactly. So yeah, it's like, that's a really good some. point. So it's like I've got we're going to spend the first probably like hour doing everyone's downtime and the last two hours actually playing some D and D. That's a good. That's a really good way to time manage, especially if you are like you know like you, like you say in this situation you don't have that much time to play whereas yeah. if you are in a long form game where you can play every week and you're lucky enough to have a group that is a weekly game it's great to have those those really long role play sessions where oh, all you yeah. do is just role play the downtime and you can still role play the downtime it just means the framework for it there yeah. exists now you're like okay you have spent a week carousing you have made an enemy who is your enemy yeah, yeah. and what were you doing in that week and then you can kind of wrap that up in like like 10 minutes maybe a few little role play interactions here and that's like cool we've got some foundations of some stuff which will affect later like don't get me wrong we still have role play yeah. only sessions but i genuinely i i really think that it's made my DMing bet better to to introduce like that downtime role play sort of like you were saying about that tightness mm. and keeping it quick before you get into the story. Like um, I I start I was just telling you about this. I just started a spelljammer campaign, and the first thing that I got to do with them was um, just say like, "All right, how did you all meet?" You know, what I mean, Let, let's just talk about the sort of ways that you all met how did you get a ship and it was just rolling dice what you know what i mean what ship was it do you know what i mean yeah uh, you know and getting them to roll like percentile dices to see how well they did they rolled really high so they could get like the second most expensive ship and they stole it they cho- you know what i mean they chose that's the way they wanted to get that ship they stole it and yeah. it was re- it was really fun sort of doing that downtime aspect of getting a ship that was yeah. how you got the ship you know, obviously, that wasn't the main part of the story. The main part of the story is what they do with the ship and where they're going to. The dice were rolled before, yeah. kind of like, you know what's going to happen, how it's going to go, yeah. and we'll just roll with it. It was super fun, and, like, they also felt like they were really in character as well because it was, like, before the D&D started, they were already thinking about their relationships and who they were and how they yeah. kind of interact. And we literally did. We must have done, like, an hour and a half on it. And we had, it was a session zero and we started playing D&D and there was like an hour and a half worth of downtime stuff. And it was all like um, them just exploring the ship because they'd stolen it. So one of them was really keen on trying to figure out who had the ship beforehand kind of thing because they're going to figure out that, you know, obviously someone's stolen their ship kind of stuff. And it was really, it was really good fun. So, you know, one of them was like, I want to fish. And I was like, you son of a bitch, do you have a fishing rod? And he was like, yep. And I was like, you came prepared, you piece of shit. So <laughs> we did like, you. yeah, we did fishing on the Astral Sea and stuff like that. And, you know, what he caught. Fishing on the Astral Sea sounds like the name for some kind of like new wave psychedelic band. Yeah. It's like, yo, we're fishing in the yeah, Astral sea. sea. This is our new album. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it was, it was really cool. And I hope they had fun. And, and yeah, it was a nice way to do downtime whilst you know, pushing the story along and, mm. and, and, and also seeding in loads of little things. I actually did like a little downtime role play after the game had ended because one of the players told me that he had that new spell gemma background where you meet a god. Oh, yeah. So we had to like, he, he reminded me of that and he was like, oh, well, you know, what kind of happened? Because I'd mess, it was all over Messenger whilst we were playing the game. Um, so at the end of it, I said to him, well, if you want, we can just role play the conversation. So we did because he was kind of confused about what I had written and sent to him. Yeah, it was nice to just role play that little bit of downtime of a background thing. Nice. Yeah. So we've kind of talked about planting adventure seeds. So there's a bunch of examples for connecting adventures in the DMG. Things like planting adventure seeds, like putting like on the villain's corpse. They find that they're working for someone else. Different types of adventure, like overarching stuff. You have different examples. There's two examples given uh, the quest of many parts. So like we have to find these nine bad guys, or we have to find these ten items to complete the quest. With a big bad at the end, or agents of X, so you follow a trail of bad guys until you get to the top, and then you fight that big bad. There's yeah. different types of overarching stuff, and that allows you, if you know where that's going, to plant the little seeds. Like I say, you don't really need to know where it's going. No. I like to strictly to rumble. I enjoy running campaigns with a very organic way of, uh, like a very very organic villain. So it's like I will start my adventures very little planning ahead, and I'll be like. This is the party. This is the villain. This is where they're starting. This is the villain's long-term goal. This is their next step of what they're going to do. But obviously the party is going to interact with that and it'll chop and change as we go. Yeah. Um, and so having an idea of having these agents of X and people to drop in is really fun. So one of the campaigns I run, I've been doing that. So my party have been interacting a lot with the big bad, not knowing <laughs> it's the big bad. Um, 
and so we've had a lot of it's good storytelling as well yeah exactly introducing them really early and they keep meeting like the agents of this person not knowing who they are and seeing not knowing things are quite connected but dropping things and hints here and there so they could tag together but not really and you can also be like you know completely um obvious with it like you can just set up the idea that you know you've got to fight lord zalgul and lord zalgul came to your village and you know that's the opening is lord zalgul coming in and destroying everything and just like completely wiping out everything and everyone and you you're the last survivors and that's who you have to fight like that's a totally also relevant way to do it and then also your players might create the big bad yeah. And you have an NPC that betrays them, or they create some horrible eldritch monstrosity that causes a nightmare for them, as happened in my campaign. Love that stuff. Um, just keep you aware for that kind of thing. Uh, but yeah, you can use downtime and bits between adventure to plant the seeds for stuff they find and what rumors they hear at that point. Yeah. So you can be like, right, you spend a week downtiming. You have caroused. You found you've done this. Also, you've been hearing rumors in the taverns of this. I I usually create a maybe a D8 or d- depending on how creative I'm feeling at the time, I create like a D8, a D10 or a D6 worth of random encounters that can lead them to other missions. Some of them are just simple as meeting a certain NPC that mm-hmm. I want them to meet that will keep popping up throughout the rest of the campaign. And, you know, that's how I seed in um, storylines naturally. And it's, you know, it's a, it's a way that eventually they will get to them all because I'll just keep adding them in and sometimes they won't get to any of them. Do you know what I mean? It'll, it'll just be missed. Um, but I love doing like, um, you know, for, for instance, one of the examples on the D6 whilst visiting a tavern, you know what I mean? An encounter D6, maybe you start a fight, maybe you, you know, maybe an orc comes and gets a bit argy-bargy with you, the tavern owner has a job for you, or you overhear a conversation about a mysterious meteorite floating above a mountainside. Ooh, or a mysterious <laughs> meteorite that's crash-landed. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, I, I, and you find out the exact location, so yeah. that kicks off that. Do you know what I mean? You don't yeah. have to follow it, but it's it's world building and it's seeding, side quest seeding. time. Yeah. And it's that seed, like you were saying, it's just seeding it through. But I do think there's so many ways to run an adventure, and you know the agents oh, yeah. of X thing, the quests of many part thing. Sometimes it's not even any of that. Sometimes just well, just do whatever story you want to do, mate. Yeah, I my, <laughs> I love just putting like it's, it's, it's sad because I haven't had an opportunity to run a campaign like this properly. But when I have done it, it's like just put a bunch of shit in front of them and see what happens real open world let them stuff. pick it up put it down where they want and just go yeah. with it and have a bad guy have like so like ones i've done i've had like a plan for where they can go and what they can do yeah but like that's very much just like the the, the i've put them in that sandbox and then how they interact with it is up to them yeah um, i do kind of like long for a group that i can just long form dm yeah. And just do like an open world and really write a world and yeah. really just constantly build off of whatever they're throwing my way and constantly throw them new mm-hmm. stuff. You know, if they want to go to, you know, Mount Celestia, then fuck it. Let's go to Mount Celestia. We're off. Know. Yeah, we're off. And just letting my brain just be completely free willy. <laughs> I'm just going to give you a horrible look and then move on, but <laughs> the giggle gave in. Uh, all right. Um, there's a bunch of here about campaign tracking, but fucking j- write everything down, hope for the best, lose it all, make it up. That's like yeah. as much stuff as in here, which is incredibly useful and you should do. I can guarantee you, you'll write it down, lose it, forget it and make it up later. Yeah. And then your players will go, actually, wasn't he like this? And you just go, oh yeah, sorry, of course he wasn't, move on. Just yeah. And if they don't remember, you're fine. Unless you're like me as well, which is like you take serial notes and put them oh. all in a Google Drive. <laughs> I just fucking lose everything i like like i'll have them digitally yeah i have no idea where they're gone i like to be fair i think if you went into my folder of my google drive you won't be able to find anything no i know i've been to your uh, to be fair they're marked out right you know with a bloom one two three four five six new year i just need to re what i need to do is reorganize them into first year second year anyway that's just me getting excited about administration yeah basically (laughs) just just there is really good way to organize your notes, but I'm going to be honest. I'm not the man to tell you how to do that. I, I, for me, it's just about if if you're going to be extremely disciplined about it, then that's it. At the end of every session, write up what happened at the end of the session. I do a lot of cover work for the DMs whilst you know working here at the Secret Layer, so I write up the session after we've completed it. Do you know what I mean? Or I'll do it the day after, you know, if the session ends late. And because it's the day of or the session after, I usually remember it quite clearly, but I also have quite a good memory. Mm. So that that is very lucky for me. But in terms of, you know, the tools put for anyone, and if you do feel like you're going to struggle, I think Morgan's right. You, you are right. It's not a problem. 
No, it's just not a problem. Doesn't matter. Don't stress. There no, is, I, yeah. like, there is. Somebody ways will to... remember, and if you don't, make it up. Yeah, and there is. I mean, honestly, read through this. This is a page I missed. There is some useful stuff in here that we can yeah. help with. There's a bunch of. I saw one on recently, like a digital resource for the app Notability. No, not Notability. Notion. So you can download this kind of notebook, which does all your campaign downloading, like setup for you. So you can like tells you where to put things and where to store things, and that's really nice. useful as well. Is that Word Anvil? No, Word Anvil is fucking amazing. Yeah, I don't know how looking at it there is a campaign organization tool there is there is yeah. i'm not sure how good it is henry's used it he says it's good okay i need to get to grips with it because if henry if henry thinks it's good i reckon it yeah is. i need to get to grips with it just because i've look, kind of looked it in henry's another dm and player that we all yeah, know i'm just yeah. naming names henry um <laughs> i've just got like a bit overwhelmed i think i looked it got a bit overwhelmed and was like i don't need this it's great for world building yeah. um but for organizing my campaigns like i feel like there's better tools that are purpose built for this because it's like a feature they've added I'm like this looks good I might wait for it to mature a little bit and sync up with things a bit better before I probably sink time into learning it the way I usually the way I do things is that I create documents just just simple word documents either on a character or on a bunch of characters and then I will just add and add and add and add and add to it. And then, you know, usually each session, if there's like a certain storyline, I'll, at the start of that document, will, very much like the D&D book, it will just say what the overview of the story is. So like, you know, maybe I've got this bad guy, I'll say, I'll just write a little brief overview of, this is what the bad guy is hoping to achieve, and this is how they're hoping to achieve it. Mm-hmm. And then after that, like a D&D book, it goes into more detail about each section of you know what's going on what's going to happen next and that's kind of how i do my notes kind of like you'd read a dnd book and i i think i learned to do that because i i started writing sessions for other um dms when they were covering my sessions so i'd write it like a dnd book so that they could get used to it and then yeah. i just started writing my notes like that and to be fair i actually want to start publishing some of the stuff on our patreon um i want to like write up the temple that we did and stuff like that so hopefully we'll start releasing at some point when I get a bit of spare time, hopefully over the Christmas period, um, whilst I'm just, you know, waiting for shows and stuff like that, I'll um I'll probably just start writing up some of the sessions and put them on the Patreon and I'll let everybody know when that's done. Pretty good idea. I'll probably have to get in touch like with you that. and be that's like, a good idea. Morgan, what do we, we talk about? Coming back. Uh, uh Nile is literally recorded. <laughs> no, but I mean like more of creative decisions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um all right. So Another thing I hear people complain with their high-level parties is that they have too much money and they can just do everything. So might I offer you an option, which is in the DMG, which is a money sink. Yeah, It has here recurring expenses. But, like, they're powerful. They've got lots of money. Let them buy a tavern that they have to sink yeah. money into. Let them buy a castle they have to pay to run. Give them shit. Give them somewhere for their money to go. Yeah. Um, so, for example, my character owns a tavern and administers to a, a, a chapel. So I have to pay into both of those with my money. Uh, I get rewards from them, obviously. They should cost, do. yeah. But give them somewhere to send the money. Maintenance costs, upkeep costs, staff costs, all this stuff. Uh, building stuff. Do they want the Wizard's Tower? Right? There's literally, there is a page in here where it tells you how much it would cost to build a... Um, uh, an outpost or a temple. So a fortified tower would cost you 15,000 gold pieces and it would take 100 days. So it like tells you how long this stuff will take, how long it will cost. And I mean, I kind of guided this because it's really funny because I said to um, the king was like, I will give you any reward. And the DM was like, I have the magic items table. What would you guys want? I was like, can I have lands and tiles? Yeah. And he went, hmm? I went, like, can I have some land and a tavern and place in the chapel and like a really big tile of being like a really big priest? He was like, I wasn't expecting you to ask for this. I'm like, it's fun. <laughs> and it comes with role play opportunities for me to be like, I am a landowner. Let me do this thing. Yeah. And and also, like, it's a nice way to, like, kind of keep the game a bit interesting because sometimes the tavern won't do well and sometimes it will do well. And maybe they have to sink more money into the tavern to keep it open. Or maybe the tavern's super profitable, you know what I mean, because of their roles. And, and it is all rolling. Worry not. There are rules for that, too. Yeah, <laughs> so exactly. if you're, the, you're like, oh, my God, how the fuck do I run a tavern? And you roll for it. It's fine. Just there's, di- there's tables, roll the dice. I haven't got it with me. Xanathar's has got like in depth downtime, which I really recommend you read. And it gets introduced to the called rivals. So like, yeah, uh, you have to roll a certain, you have to roll D one hundred. I think at a certain low, you can get a complication, and that complication can mean you acquire a rival, which can be like another thorn in your side of players. Uh, the opposite tavern across the road. Oh, uh, yes. Um, but there's like it tells you how much it costs per day to run, how many people you need to work for you. Um, and 
it's really useful. It's a good place for your players to have to sink their money into. But also, they'll be if say for example, they're like, right, the end of the world's coming, or there's like an army coming. It's like, right, let's get into my stronghold. We can get people in, save some, and start an operation pushing back from there. You give this stuff for people to have control over because these people, especially by like tenth level, are like powerful, well known, rich. They would have stuff like this. Uh, what else have we got? There's also like loads of loads of like good stuff in Xanathar's as well about like say your players do want to spend money in the normal way which is magic item buying and stuff and that's how they want to spend their money there's like a nice uh, magic item price for common uh, uncommon rare very rare and legendary items um which can make them extremely expensive like it's 2d6 times 25,000 gold pieces for a legendary item i really like it because anathas also talks about the fact because the dmg says uh, our basic assumption is that magic items cannot be bought. Yeah. Because they're super rare. Why would you be able to buy them? Yeah. Um, however, you, and also that means that selling them is also really fucking hard mm-hmm. because there's no one who's got that kind of money to no. buy, um, a magic item. So one of the downtime options is selling magic items. Yeah. So you're like, it's like, how rare is it? Okay. It's going to be this hard to sell. They're going to be sell it for this much. And there's some complications that might come from it. Same in Xanathar's. Oh, that's the best part of Xanathar's is all the complication stuff. Cause it just adds that extra flavor. And, and that is one of the things that's really fun about DMing. And, and, and I think it makes it more fun for the players as well. And I think you'll find it, it will be very gratifying is that everything is an opportunity for something to go really right mm-hmm. or really wrong. And like one of the complications from magic item buying is that the item is at the center of a dark prophecy. Can you imagine? just picking up like a i don't know cloak of billowing yeah and it's like this this item you know i mean is the center of everything belong to dread prince atukar he is going to rise if you ever use his cloak 10 times exactly um great absolutely fantastic and you're like cool i'll take it (laughs) and i'll only ever use it nine times and i i actually i get really into i created an npc called the traveler and he sells magical trinkets and i just started riffing Anytime somebody wanted to buy something, I would riff a story about how it was made, who made it, and the history behind it. And that just instantly made the item more interesting. Because it is. It's no longer, yeah, I'll have a flame tongue. Yeah, you, you buy the flame tongue this for 15,000 gold pieces. Flame tongue, not just by name, but it is actually the tongue of the great fire elemental Fallas Star. Yeah, exactly. Um, Wrenched by the hero um, Macron through... Emmanuel Macron, Emmanuel Macron, France, <laughs> traveling through the elemental planes of fire, yeah. all the way casting high levels of magic that allowed him to breathe the ashen, burning magma of the plane itself, traveling further than any elf has ever gone to defeat this elemental that waged war upon his people. Do you know what I mean? Then instantly, you're like, this is a cool fucking sword. <laughs> this is more than just like plus two fire damage sword. Yeah. Um, the thing, speaking about sellable object items, wonderful little table here, uh, in DMG, which is like trying to sell them. Uh, so by rarity, how hard it is. So, uh, common, it costs, it will, its base price is 100 gold pieces, uncommon 500, rare 5,000, very rare 50,000. Uh, I think it's like legendary or impossible to sell because it's like no one. No one's gonna buy it. And if it is, it's gonna be like a, actual mission for you to try and do because no one like it's an insane amount of but also like you know the one person who could probably buy it is a devil yeah like mammon um like and then you've got days to find a buyer so if it's easy roll yeah. a d4 and then it goes d6 d8 d10 and then you are rolling a d100 to determine how successful they are like what happens yeah with and it's like percentage chances and it's like if it's common you get to add a 10 to the roll my uh, zero for uncommon minus 10 for rare minus 20 for very rare but then the things that can happen are really fun yeah so if you roll your d100 minus i don't know like so that's it so you're very, very rare minus 20 um it's impossible for you to sell it like you can kind of sell it for like someone's like i'll buy it but for only five five thousand gold yeah and all of a sudden you're like dude i could have got like a hundred thousand gold for this give me it's like mm, no i yeah. don't have that money but also the highest option which i really like is that someone's like i'll give it to you at one and a half times it's worth but don't ask me any questions yeah that's one of my favorites and i'm like why rule one what did you just do rule one don't ask me any goddamn questions um but yeah, make it hard. Make I like so our Strixhaven campaign is really high magic, and yeah. someone put a fucking magic item store in the fucking university. So now I'm like, I guess magic items are just fucking everywhere. 
<laughs> so I've been like, yeah, you can sell them and buy them and whatever. But giving them complications, I got one of our players to sell his soul for the fifth time. Um, <laughs> Alan. Yeah. Uh, not his, actually, technically not his soul this time. Oh, he sold someone else's. Nice. Yeah, so, yeah. But yeah, there's a bunch of stuff in here about running a business. How much? So you roll D100 and if you spend actual time in the business, you get to add a bonus to it and you might make money, you might lose money. Very cool. Um, and it just gives that, again, makes your players feel a bit more ingrained in the world. Yeah. And then also, if you're a tavern owner, you have access to rumors. Because yeah. all of a sudden you'd be like, oh, boss, I heard this, or people have been saying that, or this has happened. You're like, oh, I'm going to go investigate this now. It's a really cool, like, downtime is one of those things where it's like, it is, the world is your oyster. Mm-hmm. And it is, it's really cool. Um, one thing I want to talk about just before we go on is a variant rule. Okay. Which I would love to do one day. Um, but it is the idea that you have to train to get your levels. So oh, yes. You, you collect your experience points. I, I told you I do yeah. this, don't I? Well, you, so what, yeah, you did, yeah. yeah. You train to get your experience points, but you don't get to level up until you spent, if you're going from second to fourth level, 10 days training yeah. and spent 20 gold to get trained in it. Because that kind of explains why you only level up through killing. Because mm. it's like you don't, but you do have to get some practical experience in the field, but then you have to come back, find a trainer and hone that. And I, I think, think, yeah, that's a certain game with a certain group, isn't it? If you did a long-term, long-form game yeah. where you're doing multiple big bads, multiple monsters, multiple things going on, you're like, right, come back, you train, you get back to your home base, you get ready and you go out again. That's for you, like your long-form, every week kind of games. I, I, I would say as well, like for me, the feel of that game would be very much like, I, I would be like, this game is going to be extremely like high realism yes not as in like we've still got magic and everything you know when every time you level up you ain't just learning spells you got to find a teacher and i'm going to give you multiple teachers that you can possibly see but they're only going to be able to teach you certain spells mm. do you know what i mean and if you want to learn other spells then they're like maybe deep dark secrets that you've got to find out from temples and stuff so spells become a fucking reward now yeah. and i i actually think it's a, re- it's a really cool way to play the game I you think need the awesome. right group you do and you need people to understand that it's like this isn't just a bore that we're gonna try and make your downtime about this downtime is also a really funny time because people always ask me when they're creating stuff in D&D Beyond what's lifestyle expense and often I'm like it's not gonna come up lifestyle expense is how much it costs them to live in downtime yeah. So it's like, if you're extravagant, you have to spend 15 gold every week you're in downtime because you're living a high up life. But that comes with its bonuses when you do things like carousing, which is a downtime option. Because yeah. like, are you carousing with rich people? You get better connections. But some, you can also just live in absolute squalor. You can do your trade, which means you gain money, which cancels out some of those costs. It's the, it's the point where downtime, I think, would solve a lot of problems people have with things like, my players have got too much money. Yeah. or my players haven't done this or my players aren't finding this is you have downtime to get rid of some of that money invest them in the world a little bit and kind of force them to sit down and breathe in the world a little bit more it's it's certainly for as a dm one of the reasons why it's ignored is because it's easy to just not do yes if you don't do it then essentially you've got one less job to do your game's not affected yeah you can just but if you do do it it's admin you've got to you've got to sort of keep on top of it but also, it's it's nice to have that level of freedom with it. Mm. You know, if they're doing something for a while and then you realize that, you know, we've got some downtime coming up, it doesn't matter that they've not been spending 15 gold every week. Do you know what I mean? It's just yeah. like... I think it's just, it, it, like you say, it's admin, it's best done. It is a bit more work for you, but do it part of your session prep. Do be yeah. like, right, okay, next session, this downtime. Message everyone in the group chat. Be like, hey, what does everyone want to do in the downtime? Uh, what type of lifestyle do you want to lead? Because that's going to tell me how much money you're able to spend. Check your character. Make sure you've got somewhat of a record of your players, like uh, gold, which is great what D&D Beyond's great for, because you can go on the character sheet, how much gold they've got. Yeah. Like, right, okay, they can afford this. Or you'd be like, hey, you can't actually afford to do a lifestyle, that you'll live your fancy lifestyle. You can go to debt if you want. Like, I can give you a debtor. That's really funny, yeah, yeah. If you want to still live a high lifestyle, and then that definitely that character decision of like take a yeah. loan. Out. I once <laughs> said to my GM for a different game, I said to him, he was like, "What do you want your character to do?" I said, "Can you put me in frankly terrifying levels of debt, please?" And he's like, "Why?" I was like, "Because that will be so funny. Because yeah. I can spend the whole game running away from my debtors, and I did. It was very fun. I was just crippling debt." absolutely and every time we ended the game with I came back out of it and then punched straight back like I just it was so funny to just be like just fuck me because yeah. it was like a short game of like the uh, Genesis system and it was okay. just literally I was just like just fuck me up just let me be like oh my god but I owe a lot of money to a lot of gangs help that's really funny um, but yeah give your players the option to be like yeah you can't live this lifestyle unless you get into lots of debt 
<laughs> yeah, no, I like that. I really like, and it, again, it's just another way of creating a bigger world. And and that's the thing is, when you're deciding all these things, you just need to know whether or not you're creating a large world or you're just doing a small contained story. And if you are going for that, what we kind of were talking about, this idea of like a really open world, these are the things that you should start introducing and thinking about definitely. And and if you don't want to do it, don't. Mm-hmm. <laughs> anyway, I think we should go into some of the carousing stuff because you kind of talked about that. Yeah, carousing just basically means like meeting people and doing stuff it's kind of like entertainment and activities yeah you're like and this is for your your, this is a really good opportunity to sow rumours in like what because I have a player I'll always say what do you do in your week of downtime he's like drink because he's one of his character flaws is I love drinking so but then you can always introduce stuff so there's a really good table for carousing uh, which is so again you spend the money that you would spend living that type of lifestyle Sanathal's Guide to Evering has guides for like complications that will happen if you're with rich people or poor people so fucking good like one one of the core like just just for instance two of my favorites uh, from Xanathar's is a complication that's happening you know like say this character is drinking yeah right you get them all right cool so this is what you've been doing in your downtime roll me a d8 you know maybe they roll a two which is a tavern brawl leaves you with a scar hell yes do you know what I mean and then that's a new character thing they've suddenly got this nasty gnarly scar or my true favorite um surprise you're married yes fucking full-on vegas like you're just like yeah. oh no oh you, you wake no. up in bed and they turn around and they're like oh i've had a good night and then you touch your head and you're like oh i've got a scar and a metal ring oh, oh my, my god finger. <laughs> fuck yes um multiple rolls please on the complications table how drunk did you let's get just make let's rolls? make hangover two uh <laughs> just do all of them do all eight <laughs> fucking hell um the- Everyone is calling you by some weird, embarrassing nickname like Puddle Drinker or Bench Slayer, and no one will say why. I've got downtime coming up. I'm definitely using this fucking table. Good. Uh, yeah, Xanathar's is great. Uh, but even the DMG-based stuff, it's like you're all D100, add your level, because it's more powerful than you are, you yeah. bet you'll be at carousing. But it's like the worst is like you're, you're jailed for a D4 days, and you can pay the fi- a fine of 10 gold if you want. Or up it's to- like Skyrim. Yeah, or you get a small fortune when you're gambling. You get 46 times 10 gold. So you're just like, then you're just like an absolute fucking pie. Like everyone's like, yeah, fuck yeah. And it's like, you've, you've been drinking barrels of ale, winging, gambling, fuck, having a fucking amazing time. And then you can narrate through, it's like, what did you get up to? What does a good time look for your character? What did they do? And you're like, oh, I did this, I did that, I did this. And you can, that's an opportunity to get all the fun stuff done. They can have an awesome idea of what the character did. Yeah. Or, oh, fucking hell, you went to jail for four days. Why? What yeah. did you do? Because you punched a noble during yeah, exactly. Exactly, yeah. Do you know what I mean? It's like I thought maybe yeah, I was yeah, fuck yeah. It's great, it's great. And it's one of those it's one of those things that like like you say, punching a noble. Well, I just said that. <laughs> like you said, punching a noble. Uh, <laughs> like punching a noble might mean you're in jail for a bit, but then it might also mean that you've just activated a side quest. Yeah, you can you know might make someone in the prison. Yeah. You might have maybe well maybe I'm like the reason you punched that noble was because you realize you saw the sigil of the person you've been chasing and you filled you with such rage you punched them mm. always check these kind of things i so like i've said this before like let your players build your world for you mm. and be like do you reckon if you saw someone who was in the cult you've been following you'd get to like you'd notice this noble was part of the cult you think you'd punch them they might be like oh hell yeah or probably not i'd be a bit more reserved it's like okay well then who do you punch after yeah. you found this because exactly then you can give them the option to work with you give them options i know players sometimes they'll be like um, I don't really know. But if you give them like a little springboard, they'll that is a hundred percent the way to do it. Like always, always give and then allow them to say yes or no, and then you'll find that slowly they'll find their feet as well. They'll know the kind of thing they're looking for. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's wonderful, and yeah, the the carousing is is so much fun because it can also get you into so much trouble because you can get into crime or you can get into like a pit fight or you can get into just gambling you know going to a spa or a religious place do you know what I mean it, there's so many options and Zan- and Xanthar's is is really good at that it's it's such a wonderful tool yeah. and you know if you can if you can afford to get it certainly do but yeah i i just think it's such a it's such a great way to create more more stuff down. more game more shit more things people are doing uh, and, and it's, it's not it, all world ending encompassing yeah and it's something that gets neglected I think I yeah. think it's one of those things and the downtime is one of the things I wanted to discuss in this podcast at the very start it's something that I think DMs neglect because they're like oh work but it is yeah it's some effort to put in but you're a DM at this point come on 
Like that's a big. You're already part of putting it. a lot of effort. You might as well keep going. And you can you can get some good fun out of it. You can it means your players again can feel a bit more engrossed within the world, and they'll be like, oh, why don't I go back to that tavern? I'm a fucking legend there. Like the people of that street gave me a sick nickname because I was such a good party animal. It's, Let's go yeah. back and I can go meet some of my mates that made. It's genuinely it it immerses your players even more in the game, which means that they get more out of it, which means you get more out of it. Because the more your players are in character, the easier it will become to write for them. Hundred percent. Do you know what I mean? The the hardest person to write for is a player who's not in character because they'll just do anything. If you don't understand their character and they don't understand their character, then you're both screwed. Yeah. Whereas if you get a player, you know what I mean? I I um I had a player say to me that they were they were struggling with their character, they weren't really know they didn't really know what their purpose was. So I literally just created for them a little delivery system. And all all the all the the plan was was just to meet NPCs. So they were just meeting NPCs and all the NPCs were related. But because they kept meeting every NPC, it became a way for them to sort of almost learn more about them, their character, and for me to learn about their character so that I could continue writing for them. And it's it's meant that the following sessions have, have become easier to focus for that character. And that character also seems to have a lot more snap decisions that are made a lot easier because they're more comfortable with it. Yeah, it's allowing that player to play the character. It's it's the thing with I think a lot of stuff. I mean, I've I've always been fairly comfortable with RP. I mean, if I think back to my first ever D and D game, my first character was just elf wizard. A uh, bit of a I don't know. I feel like he was it, it was very there wasn't much to him. But diving in, it was quite easy to kind of just like role play. But creating an actual character takes time and practice i think and encouraging the encouraging players with like hey here's a little bit of this you can work with or hey why do you add this to your list of personalities so like whenever i'm role playing be it dnd or larp now i'll have like a lift like i'll try and make a like a list of ideals yeah. like about these things i'll call back to so if i'm in a situation where I'm like how would my character react i'm like okay this falls into this so like um by my nature a lot of my characters i sometimes try to be a bit conspiratorial like mm-hmm. trying to work stuff out character i've recently played was not like that at all and someone went to conspire with me and I went to go conspire with them. And I was like, no, my character doesn't like this. So I just went, right, fucking just tell me what you fucking want. I'm not, I don't have time for this. I don't have time for secrecy. What do you fucking want? Stop okay. talking in riddles. And it was, it's like having things that you can refer back to, yeah. to kind of like build yourself on. It's really useful. It kind of creating some separation between you and your character and giving your players stuff to do to build that kind of idea. It's like, how would your character react here? You can build a precedent. And then if they're ever confused, you could be like, well, do you remember when that noble told you off and you, well, like you, perhaps it was like, oh no, they're, they're right. They are noble. They, 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 they're of a nobler birth than me. I should respect them. Maybe think about would that would your character? Do you think your character think that's the same about this noble? Is that like a rule? Or maybe that was a, a moment where they have time to think. Like, no, actually, I'm better than them now. I've done stuff. So have, remembering things your players have done and giving them opportunities to role play and then helping them to inform that as they go, it's useful. One of my one of my favorite examples of this was actually from a recent Spelljammer game, and it was just as simple as. Um, explaining an elf character's um, trance. Mm. Like, the trance uh, was a story that their father had told them when they were a young boy, and it was expl- and it was story-driven because the they were going to this new part of realm space, they were going to this galaxy that they knew that their empire controlled a long time ago, but um, had been long abandoned because the Empress had moved the capital there next to a black hole. And then every, obviously after she died, they moved it back because yeah. it was a black hole. Fuck that. But I, you know, I told him this story and I explained to him that it was a trance and, and I went in depth into elven sort of like law, law. and check out D&D 101. We go into elves. Uh, but it's one of those things that telling him that story... And, you know, saying this is what your father says and explaining everything, but putting it into the idea of a trance is downtime. That's when he's sleeping. That's literally his sleeping time was this downtime activity. And then what he proceeded to do was go around the ship and be like, hey, guys, um, just going on to the next mission. This is what I know about where we're going Mm. and proceeded to talk to people about it. And then anything then became like, right, he started picking up the cues and started being like, well, I'm an elf. So do I know anything about this particular thing? And he said like he was he was casting detect magic on this structure that had been built, this big monolithic structure that was too big to really comprehend. And I said to him, 
you start to recognize traces of magic, but not just any magic, elven high magic. And that, again, you know what I mean? It already influenced roleplay, and it just let him know where he was in the in the world and who he was and how that related to the world at, at large. Yeah, hundred percent. And it was, and and the most fun thing about it was seeing the look in his eyes when he was like going around to other players, being like, "This, you know, this, this is what I'm picking up." And it's just like, because he, you know, it, it essentially it's me explaining a lot of shit, but then him picking it up and being like, "I want to use that now. I want to use yeah. it as a way to be my character." I. And it's super fun. Like it fills your heart with a, joy. A good improv monologue is as a dm some of the some of my favorite moments i like some of my proudest moments i've ever done so like i've spoken about before my description of uh demons coming to the world it's like a festering wound like i'm doing that complete silence of my players and just listening and like fuck okay like kind of to it was to talk about the the grant the bigness of a situation or i once did there was a one of my npcs had fought side by side with one of my players father fathers or like 100 years ago um, nice. She didn't know who he was, but he looked a bit like him. So she was like, "Are you from around here?" Because she was like, "I recognize him." And then she did this big emotional speech about her best friends dying and stuff like this. And she never knew that he'd had a son. So she—that's why she didn't really initially think. But the player started to realize. No, didn't. Oh. Didn't even. They, they. Oh no, sorry. They did twig a little bit. They're like, "Is this something?" That's my da. That's my fucking da. But I had this moment Your of just like that. She was getting like getting quite emotional i felt myself doing it. i was at the end i was like and then i got they all, all my players clapped i was like guys but like it's, it's really fun to do that and then give your play because that was basically all around building on this guy's background i was like there you go yeah um that's why i feel by story as well like when the dmg suggests that you start to seed in story one of the most important things to do is to actually seed in player story yeah. Because every player has a background, so start to seed in all the players' backgrounds. Like, it's one of my favorite things to do in a session zero, but their lives, if if this campaign, any, any kind of size of campaign, even if it is, you know, quite a short one, try to fit in as much as the players' backgrounds within the main story so that they have a reason to be there and they have a reason to be fighting it. Do you know what I mean? Like, one of the things that's happened to one of my players recently is their brother and sister and their mum's not well um, and has just run off. Like, has just just run off and bumped into one of the the siblings and went, shh, don't tell your dad that I'm going. Do you know what I mean? And he's like, mum, you're not well. And she's like, I'm fine. Don't you worry about it. And just run off into the darkness. Excellent. Yeah. I think it's it's nice to give people that. And, like, sometimes it can be hard to fit it in. So I'm struggling with one of mine at the minute, which I'm trying to think of a way to bend them into it. But sometimes they just give you on a plate. Like, again, one of my players, I said ages ago, said to me, hey, can I have a trident? And yeah. I was like, yeah. And then basically the entire like thing was like, I was like, yeah, of course you can. Oh, fuck. Spark, like a little thing. Yeah. Found it really easy to do that. But then there's another campaign. I'm struggling with how to tie their character in a little bit, but it's one of those I'm trying to work on because it is good. And then people are like, fuck, I'm invested in this. Yeah. Um, and you, you get faster and faster and faster. And, qu- and like you said, the improvising monologues. Sometimes a player will ask you something, and before you know it, your mouth's running off faster than your brain can keep up with. Yeah, exactly. And, and then you're said, like, I should write that down. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I think so. I think that's part of it. But genuinely, that's this is what downtime's for. Downtime is for story just as mm. much. I, I, personally, for me, D&D is a storytelling game. Yeah. It's not... It's not because it is. It's it's sold as a role playing game, but for me, it's actually a storytelling game. If you can tell, a, if you understand storytelling, and you can tell a good story. You'll get people really invested, and that's why they'll role play more because they're invested in the the stakes. And the only thing that happens in a story, or at least you know, two two kinds of story are like a hero's journey and a tragedy. Mm. In a hero's journey, the hero learns something. In a tragedy they don't and that should be the story that you're telling if you can try to make sure that the players go through some kind of change or if they don't it's to the detriment of themselves it's really funny that is that is how you do downtime and that is how you do your story i think it's really funny because getting away i guess this is getting away from downtime a little bit now but for me i'm like i don't endeavor to tell a story yeah because we're doing it together and yeah. I find the players often do it for me. Like I put a situation there. So literally like, you know, uh, I've got a, got a source book, which is like 
Um, oh no! I will tell you what I've got. I've I'm running a campaign where my players are going to be playing um, knights of an order which protect the world from evil mages and also ensure that only people that are licensed to cast magic can do so. Cool. Uh, oh, this is the yeah, new yeah. game. Yes. They're really good at it. Um, they're kind of top of the game, one of the best known in the in the world. And the the game is going to be they have to stop an evil mage that's incurred in the nation, and but also they're going to learn stuff as they go along. Classic. The story, I'm not telling a story there. That's just the situation. And they're going to tell, they're going to find for me whether or not their story is going to be, is it going to be, uh, spoilers, if you're my, if you're from the Fable Top crew, please stop listening at this oh point. Oh my God, if you're a <laughs> fucking player. <laughs> ah! But uh, if you're, um, basically they're going to find out that it's not always what it seems. The people, the side they're on isn't necessarily the good guys. And it, the, the story is going to be, how do they respond to that? Is it, shit we're the bad guys yeah. and we need to help these guys or no we're quite obviously the good guys still and it's how their characters would live with that yeah. i'm not telling a story i'm putting a situation down well, they're gonna tell the story i would say i would say that you're already that's your story do you know what i mean you know that it's one of two ways but that, that's two ways i've thought of yeah, yeah. it but might not be the story might also the story might be a schism they might yeah, yeah. D- divorce between themselves Three or they might decide they need to leave or the world's fuck like i'm yeah. not telling a story i'm giving a situation and they are telling me that tale and how that is that is 100 percent correct the nature of the nature of the storytelling of D&D is through the players because only they can truly make the decisions. Yeah. Because it's a living, breathing thing. I think all you do as a DM is really encourage that and just try to hit the themes that they're putting out. Let like them tell if, the story. Yeah, if one of the players is like, oh yeah, I keep getting really hammered and keep doing stupid stuff, maybe start just throwing more consequences at them and be mm. like, do you think that maybe you should change? And if they don't, then just like, I don't know, roll for it. The, di- the dice really and fate really makes a lot of the storytelling because sometimes a story can be this drunken maniac keeps getting away with things and that's the story and it's really funny and he's just lucky or she's just lucky do you know what i mean it is fate storytelling and your players and you all wrapped up into one neat little bundle that's D, baby uh fuck the genesis system <laughs> so yeah that's the uh that's downtime uh downtime being the mechanic for what happens between adventures but also i guess all the stuff well Anyway. It's every. It's LinkedIn. It's LinkedIn. But I think I this think, is this yeah. is another step as I was saying. You don't need to read the books because we're doing this lovely podcast. But also do look at the tables because they're very very useful. Yeah, it's um, it's one of those. This is for inspiration. As mm. always, we hope that you come away inspired and that this this conversation between us that we've had a lot of fun doing mm-hmm. is in, is encouraging you to to create more and do more and you have a bit more understanding and. You know, we can't go through every single thing in the book. Like, that's just... I'm not going to... That'd be boring to listen to. Mm. Oh, yeah, you know, on page 72. Do you know what I mean? But what the whole... But we are going to go through every single magical item in the next episode. Oh, yeah. So fucking buckle in. (laughs) (laughs) Woo-woo! Anyway, guys, that has been Downtime. Uh, I've been Niall. I've been Morgan. And we'll see you bitches next time. (laughs) Bye. Thanks for listening to the show, and if you enjoyed, please leave a review as it really helps. A big thank you to our editor, Jack Sinclair, and to G. McDermott for our cover art. If you'd like to check out any cool merchandise, head to littlelionslayer.co.uk, where Julia, our resident smithy here at The Secret Layer, has all our products up for sale. Until then, brave adventurers.